What's up, everybody? Welcome to Stick to Football, episode number 36. I'm Matt Miller, the lead NFL draft writer for Bleacher Report, joined as always by my good buddy, Connor Rogers, up in New York. And boy, do we have a good show for you today. If you're a fan of the NFL draft, if you're a fan of scouting, if you want to work in scouting, if you like fantasy football, our guest is a good one for you. It's Field Yates from ESPN. Going to drop knowledge on how he got to ESPN, why he gave up being a scout in the NFL, what Bill Belichick's really like. Uh, we're also going to talk about the Heisman ceremony, Lamar Jackson. We're going to give you our college player to know at the end of the show, like we always do every week. We're going to bring on our intern, Kennedy, to take your draft on draft questions. But Connor, man, I am stoked for this week's show. I'm a little fired up. Let's get it going. We got a loaded show uh, for me and Matt. It's been a crazy week, and it's only the beginning of the week. We're going to have a pretty jam-packed month. We're not slowing down at all with the holidays ahead of us. No, absolutely not. Uh, next week, we can already tell you we'll have Marshawn Lattimore. My vote for Defensive Rookie of the Year, probably yours too, I would think. By probably a landslide. Everybody's listening. Uh, but here's what we're going to do today. We're going to go around the league. Uh, we want to talk a lot about the Heisman ceremony with Saturday night. Uh, Baker Mayfield, Oklahoma. Congratulations, man. Um, we're going to talk about Lamar Jackson, who uh, finished third after winning it last year. All the all the hot takes in the street right now are that he's a wide receiver, so we're definitely going to talk about that. The underclassmen decisions, a lot more guys have started to declare. Senior Bowl roster continues to expand. We are getting ready. We'll be there in about, oh, geez, we're going to be there in like five weeks uh, doing the Senior Bowl. So, uh, talking about that, we'll give you our college player to know. And then we'll bring our girl Kennedy on at the end of the show for draft on draft. But let's, if we can, let's hop right into this Heisman talk. And I'm actually a little heated up this morning because uh, people are tweeting, the defenders of college football are tweeting this morning that, oh, the poor Heisman ceremony, no one's watching it. No one cares. Oh, Who gives a shit, right? Like, when was the last time you watched the Heisman ceremony? I, I can't. I'll tell you, here's a perfect way to put it. This weekend, I was out in Brooklyn in Greenpoint at a brewery and they have a giant projector gigantic right behind us and they had on the Heisman pre-ceremony and I was like okay cool and they changed it to something else before the real one started and I did not blink (laughs) I did not give the slightest shit because number one I knew Baker Mayfield was winning number two is there anything interesting about the actual ceremony show at all no, and I like I like the talent on that show. I think they're fantastic. Yes, they're with great, but game they're, day. It's just, but not don't yep. put them in that situation. So I was out Saturday night. Uh, me, I actually took the weekend kind of off, and I, we've talked about it a ton on the Friday show. I've never tailgated at a Chiefs game, so my friends were like, "Let's just do this. Let take the take the weekend off. Let's get away." Totally spaced that it was Heisman weekend. So Saturday night, I went out. Uh, it kind of had some business meetings, and then got back together with the guys. It was like, we're playing pool, like drinking. And at the same time, all our phones go off. And the BR app is like, Baker Mayfield wins the Heisman. We're like, oh, okay, cool. And you just like keep going because yep, that's we it. knew it was going to happen. So I tweeted this morning my four ways to get people to watch the Heisman ceremony. Uh, four real ways, not like put you know Scarlett Johansson in a, a evening gown announcing the winner. I would probably watch <laughs> if that were the case. But football ways to get people to watch. I think they need to get it back up to five players. I hate this shit where it's, we're just going to bring three guys and you already know the winner. So that's step one. Step two, they need to invite and award slash recognize defensive players. Roquan Smith, Minka Fitzpatrick, Ed Oliver, 
the list goes on. There were defensive players who had amazing years that deserve the invite. It's not like it's not like Heisman doesn't have money to bring two more guys to New York for a couple of days. I mean, come on. I, uh, I completely three. agree with you, and this kind of goes back to the same argument I have for extending the playoff to eight teams. I think college football is at its best when you're bringing in gigantic fan bases into events. I'm, yes. I don't want to, I'm not a college football fan in terms of it. Like I don't have a favorite team and I was really little because of family reasons. We liked Notre Dame, but like, I'm not like a, I didn't, I'm not a fan. I just love college football as a whole. But I think on the outside looking in, I recognize that if you had Saquon Barkley up there with those three guys, the entire Penn State family is going to be invested into the Heisman ceremony yes. with the little hope that he maybe can upset and win, which, you know, he's not going to. But you like to see your favorite player there. I, I think it's as simple as that. I think including more fan bases and recognizing great players. I love your point that if you went to a five-man candidacy, you automatically have to recognize one defensive player. Because let's be real, Bradley Chubb, Minka Fitzpatrick, Roquan Smith, those guys are just as deserving to be up there as the offensive players, in my opinion. Without a doubt. So I went a step further. I think offensive linemen should be in the running here. Are you telling me Quentin Nelson wasn't one of the five most dominant players in college football this year? And I know he's a guard. I, I don't care. He's tremendous. I mean, he he is, in my opinion, and this isn't just like as a scout who evaluates guys for the draft. As a college football fan. And someone who watches a ton of college football, Quentin Nelson was one of the best players in the country this year. So the fact that offensive linemen make up half the damn team on the field at a given time, and we just completely ignore them. It, it's incredibly frustrating. And I, I tweeted this morning because some people were getting on me. It has become a fantasy football award. And I think one way we change that is right now there are like 8 million people that vote for the Heisman. I think more people vote for the Heisman than people vote in the presidential election I think they need to start over, like scrap it. And this isn't me like trying to get a vote. I genuinely don't care, but they need to give it to people who are invested in the sport and, and are actively watching and, and watching games outside their area. People on the East coast, if you have a Heisman vote, it, it should be your job to watch Rashad Penny. It should be your job to watch Josh Roseman. Yes. It should be your job to watch Khalil Tate and vice versa. If you're on the West coast, you don't get to just watch those games. You need to be up early watching the, the East coast games. So I, I know that I'm like saying no one takes it seriously, but we should all take it seriously if we're going to be involved with it. But I think that's where it has to go. No, I mean, I completely agree with you. I think that's something me and you talked about actually on a show recently where, listen, I'm not stomping my feet saying I deserve a vote, but I'll tell you that much. I would argue you and I know more than at least 70% of the voters or at least watch more like those. It's you. You nailed it perfectly with the region bias. That's what bothers me so much. It actually really bothered me that there was like it almost there was like a bloodthirst out for anyone not named Baker Mayfield. So Bryce Love and Lamar Jackson being up there over Saquon Barkley. I love Saquon Barkley. He's a great pro prospect. But on the college level, Bryce Love and Lamar Jackson were better players week by week. And I think it goes back to your argument for Quentin Nelson. Was there a more dominant player in college football on a week by week basis than Quentin Nelson? Because I have not seen one. No, I, I'm completely with you. And, you know, like, I'm a Texas fan, so we didn't have anybody in the running this week or this year and haven't for a long time. So it's not like I'm pissed that my guy wasn't up there. I just, like I said, I saw people tweeting about it this morning, which means it's probably going to be, like, hitting your guys' timelines when you listen to this on Wednesday. So that's where I'm at. 
Uh, let's talk about Baker Mayfield, though. I think we both would have voted for him as the winner if we had votes. Uh, but our job is to talk about how these guys, like, you know, transition to the NFL. How are they viewed? And I, I've talked to a couple of scouts over the weekend, got to catch up with some guys I hadn't talked to in a while. And the, the question I ask every scout now when I talk to them is, what round do you have Baker Mayfield? And I'll tell you, I talked to two guys on Saturday who feel like he's a round one player. And we're going to have something on that this week at Bleacher Report, too, obviously, as you said. with We're going to have the Baker buzz that Matt has. It just seems like the more people that you talk to and that we seem to cross paths with week by week, it's almost a shoe-in that Baker Rainfield's not only going to be a round one guy, but as the demand goes up, assuming he has a very clean draft process, that he might find his way into the top 10 now. Yeah, top 10, top 15. And like you said, we'll have... We'll, we'll extrapolate on it, that information. We'll have a lot more information coming out uh, in a video that Connor's working on today. But you're right. The more people you talk to, and there are definitely holdouts. Like, there are dudes out there you talk, like, hey, what about Baker Mayfield? Well, he's short. Or he plays in the Big 12. It's like, yeah, he does. But did you watch that Ohio State game? You know, it's like, and I think the playoffs is going to be a great situation for Baker to answer some questions about uh, uh, how does he do against better defenses? I mean, you're playing Georgia, one of the best defenses in the country. And if you win, you're going to play either Clemson or Alabama. That's another great defense. So uh, if they win, that's potentially three games against top-tier defensive talent he'll have this year. So hopefully, you know, we're seeing a little bit of people kind of changing their minds and wrapping their head around, you know, uh, okay, he's not your conventional quarterback prospect, but you can't ignore the stuff he does on the field. I think he is the, has the most to gain or lose in the college football playoff, which I think when you look at it from afar, it seems a little insane to say, oh, well, can ba-, like, it's great. If he beats, if he lights up Georgia, holy shit. But you <laughs> pointed out last week that we've seen him do it against Ohio State. So it's, you know, he's done it. But I still will say the reactions to how he plays in the playoff are going to be fascinating because it's either going to go all the way to the extreme where people say, I'll take Baker Mayfield number one overall. Or they'll be like, maybe this guy isn't a first-round prospect anymore. Oh, you're without – you are so right. I've already started to see that on – and I definitely follow too many people on Twitter. But I've I've started to see those takes of uh, Baker's QB1. And I applaud the uh, the intestinal fortitude to for guys to come out and say Baker's QB1. Uh, I don't think he'll be drafted QB1 just because he is no. short. He's not – He's not straight line fast. Hand size is going to come up, but man, I, I I do think he is in, just incredibly gifted and talented. And I, I've said it before, it's not the kind of guy I would bet against just because it seems like, I mean, and I, I've, I, I know I've said, <clears throat> excuse me, on the show before that I love quarterbacks who overcome adversity. So you have a dude who was deemed too small by all the schools in Texas, had to walk on at Tech, won the starting job, then kind of fell out of favor, goes to Oklahoma, wins the starting job again, you got a dude who walked on it twice and ended up winning the Heisman Trophy. So that's the kind of guy I'm always going to root for. 100%. I mean, with Baker Mayfield, the story is that he had the tech job and then it was taken away from him for essentially no reason besides just that other guys were healthy there. They obviously had Davis Webb. And he said, fuck this, and got in his car <laughs> and drove to Oklahoma and was like, I'm here now and I'm going to play for you and I'm going to be great. And... It's safe to say that has all come together, which is unbelievable for a guy that has had been doubted so many different times and has 
succeeded every single time you doubt him. Now, to play devil's advocate here, and I know this is something you'll agree with, to show the fans a different look, the reason Baker Mayfield will not go number one is because if you miss on a guy, number one overall, that's five foot eleven with maybe sub nine hands, maybe, I don't know. He's got small hands, whatever. I, and I know people are going to fucking rip me for this. I'm pointing it out from an NFL evaluator's perspective. Yes. Yep. You will get fired faster than you can blink. Faster than you can utter the word Sashi Brown. You will be fired because you cannot miss on a guy like that. Now, if you take six foot four, 225 pound, 230 pound Sam Darnold, who is super clean off the field, everyone loves him, all of that intangibles. And you miss. People will say, well, you can't fault them for trying. But if you take Baker Mayfield, who is older, smaller, more questions in the eyes of the NFL, you will be fired. And that's going to be the great debate from now until he gets his name called throughout the draft. I err on the other side where I think he's going to be great. Yeah, and we it's the same deal in our industry. Maybe you won't be fired, but we have talked about this before that if you're going to miss, if you're going to be an outlier, if you're going to say Vernon Adams is your quarterback one, which happened, uh, if you're going to hey. if you're going to say Deshaun <laughs> I love Kaiser, when we reference that. If you're going to say Deshaun Kaiser is your quarterback one, if you're going to be that different from the NFL, you got to be right. So, um, just you know, I'll throw myself um, on the fire here. I had Teddy Bridgewater as my number one player and number one quarterback, obviously in 2014, and he went pick 32, I think 31 to 32. Doesn't look great, but doesn't look. It's not that far off. Like Teddy's a good player. So, but you you can't have your QB1 go undrafted. Or like you said, if you're John Dorsey and you draft Baker Mayfield at one and it doesn't work, you might as well pack those bags that you just unpacked because you've you've proven that you your ability to value the talent is is way off base. So speaking of that, here's a fun topic that no one is mad or is not polarized about Lamar Jackson. Uh, I think you sent it yep. to me last week, Mel Kiper and Todd McShay, um, but great guys at ESPN. They do a fantastic job uh, on their podcast said that Mel came out and just said it. Lamar Jackson. A lot of people think is a wide receiver. Uh, Todd didn't go quite that far. You know, he kind of, kind of hedged a little bit. Uh, but basically, they had a discussion of, is Lamar Jackson going to be asked to play quarterback at the next level uh, or wide receiver? And, and I believe Mel said he, his information is he'll be asked to play receiver. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. And then Todd said, I think he's drafted as a quarterback, but might get moved to receiver. Um, we'll basically, dr- we'll draft Twitter burn yeah. down is, is, I guess. Oh, what I'm it getting. did. They clipped it out. The two and a half minute segment. Uh, I'm not going to. I'm like you where I grew up watching both of those guys and especially Mel because he's been there forever and I know people you know kind of shit on him recently they don't know if his rankings are his whatever but Mel is like the original guy so the respect there is through the roof those two and a half minutes to me were very tense and awkward because it's almost like they've been told what could happen and didn't want to Todd didn't want to fully relay that Mel did he just said hey the NFL thinks his biggest impact right away could be made at wide receiver. Yep. And that's a tough argument right now for me. I Listen, he throws with touch. He's got a nice release. Is he a perfect quarterback prospect? No. But, I mean, you can't sit here and tell me 
Cody Kessler and C.J. Beathard are going in the third <laughs> round, and Lamar Jackson ain't getting a shot at quarterback. Get the fuck out of here with that. So like, yeah, and it's it, not that you—it's <laughs> not that you're like—it's not that you disagree with Mel Kiper. He's getting the information from no. teams just like I do. It's that you disagree with the idea that 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 he's only a wide receiver, basically, right? Exactly, and like, I think there's going the to be an NFL team in the end of the first round that says, fuck it, we're going to try to make this guy a star. And I hope it's a good situation because I would like to see Lamar Jackson succeed. I, I think he, I don't worry about the frame because I've seen guys like Deshaun Watson and Mariota get up to the combine weighing 222, and I think Lamar can come into the combine at 216, 217. He's tall. I know he, putting on weight ain't as hard as people think. You know, I think it's other question marks. You obviously want to see him continue to grow as a passer, even though he really has this year. And I just can't get behind the thought that he's a wide receiver. I just think it's it doesn't really add up to me. But from their perspective, once again, not to just destroy their segment, they were relaying it as what they have heard from the NFL. So it's fascinating. Yeah, I, th- I think it's really interesting, man. And I would say the devil's advocate of this is that you mentioned Watson and Mariota and the you know the comeback is going to be they're both hurt you know Watson has torn two ACLs he's 22 years old Mariota has been consistently hurt so I I think that's I, I get it I get where that's coming from but man if the dude's going to get hurt at quarterback he's going to get hurt at receiver too so uh, you know I'll say kind of put a button on the us talking about ESPN uh, Mel and Todd have both been incredible to me as I've come up in this industry so I have a ton of respect for them. And I, I do know, because I've worked in this business for seven years now, you know, most of the time when you're getting information like that, you're getting it from a GM. Like, I'm not going to come out and say, oh, a team told me Lamar Jackson's a receiver if I got that from an area scout. Because I know that that guy's opinion, while it matters, it's not a he's not a decision maker. So it's going to be fascinating. It's going to, uh, it's going to be divisive because on Twitter you have people who, you know, Lamar Jackson's their QB one. They love the guy. They think he should be the first pick in the draft. And when you tell them that the NFL disagrees, it is a kill the messenger type situation. Yeah, because they can only yell at you. They can't yell at where it came from. It's funny, like the spectrum we've gone with the Lamar Jackson situation. I like him, but he's not my top quarterback and he's not my second ranked quarterback. So it's interesting to me that we just bounce around where it's like, he's either QB one or he's a wide receiver. Right. <laughs> it's not like, Instead of like, can he just be I'm lower on him like, than you are? But I'm still thinking like, man, like I'm drafted this kid to be a quarterback still, you know, I exactly. That's his best position. I would take him in your way eyes. the hell over like Christian Hackenberg got drafted, you know, but I thought hack was a fourth or fifth yeah. round pick. So, um, and I don't know, I, I really don't know yet on where I have Jackson graded, probably somewhere in the second round as of right now. Um, it, he's a hard prospect to figure out, and I've seen him in person. It's just, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, within the next couple of weeks, I'll be able to get a full Louisville All-22 catalog and be able to you know, better look at some of my uh, concerns that I had when we saw him play at Clemson. So it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be fun, but not fun, you know, having to kind of, sit through the debates and the arguments and I might just oh there's just irrational people out there I wrote a thing on uh in my draft spotlight article I do for FanRag every week that comes out on Mondays this was like a month ago after Baker's Hull incident I said if you don't like it stop them 
And somebody like came at me saying, you wouldn't say this about Lamar Jackson. And I said, how the fuck do you know what I would say about Lamar Jackson? What? And it just turned into like, it was insane. They were like really angry. I was defending Baker Mayfield. And I'm just like, man, like the assumptions are what's scary. I don't think it's fair. Right. Because I don't know. People just assume that like he's, if he's not your top quarterback, that you're not being a fair evaluator. And I just don't think that's the case. I Deshaun Watson was my number one quarterback last year. So if people think that ever think that it races a factor into evaluations, then I'll tell you, you're at the wrong place because that's never going to be the case here because anybody that it, not only is that horrible, if people actually do that, but they will end up wrong time and time Without again. Without a doubt. So, and that's how you, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, it's going to be a very interesting draft season because the opinions on Lamar Jackson are going to vary so much. And I, I mean, that makes what makes it fun, honestly. It does. And it's going to be the same for Baker, as we just talked about. Yeah. And what I was going to say is, you know what? Like the reason that, that Mel can do that and just like so easily be like, hey, here's the like hottest topic in the draft community right now. Let me pour gasoline on it. That dude does not read his oh, yeah. Twitter mentions. So he does not give a fuck. Nope. It'd be like, I, if I do that, I have to close Twitter for three days. Mel can do it and be like, see you guys. Subscribe to the podcast. Oh yeah, Sports Center. Because you know, there's not, there's not, and I, I don't know if that's why Todd kind of was hedging a little or a little hesitant because he's a little more active on Twitter and knows he's like, man, he just, he just stoked he, the fire. He knew he tensed up during that. <laughs> he was like, oh no, I don't want to get into this right now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> was, but I, yeah, I mean, they are. They're both good guys. They're both fun. Um, so it's. <laughs> But it is. It's a topic that, and we told people on Twitter, "Hey, let's talk about this this week because we get asked about it. It was such a hot topic in the draft community." Um, let's transition before we we get to our college player to know segment and then our first break. A lot of underclassmen have declared. We're still waiting on op- a lot of the top ones. You know, uh, Josh Rosen, uh, Saquon Barkley, Sam Darnold, Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, Connor Williams already declared. Darius Geis, we're waiting for. Josh Allen we're waiting for. A lot of those, I mean, we expect, but we're still they're, waiting. They're but, all coming out, right? I mean. Yeah, I would like think the, so. Yeah. That's the word, man, is that that Geis is definitely coming out. Saquon, I know he said this week that he hasn't made any decisions. I, I respect that. And listen, Man, they kid, made a decision you know, all He hasn't dude. made a decision, that's cool. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, it should on. be pretty obvious. Your, and your joke went way over Rosen's head, by the way. The coward joke. Like, I, I oh, know no. that, like, you were saying that it, for real, Colin Coward's going to be the yeah. first guy to, to release if Sam and Josh are declaring. But like, it, it was also hilarious because Coward has gone on the air and said these things, at least about Darnold, that he will be the first to say it. And Rosen was just not having it, and I don't no, think he I, got. And you, I, I mean, you're right. Like, <laughs> you were like, I, I think oh, Rosen man. was pissed because someone came out. I'm not even going to say the name of the website because I despise the guys. Someone came out. Yeah, and said it's, a, it's that, a horrible site. Uh, Rosen's going to declare for the draft. Well, he probably is, but that's speculation that you're making a, a report. It'd be like me saying, "Oh, hey guys, breaking news: Minka Fitzpatrick's going to enter the draft." Well, no shit, but that doesn't mean he's he's made a, a decision or told coaches <laughs> or whatever. You're just predicting the weather. That's like me saying the sun's going to come up tomorrow. Yeah, yeah it's, it's so not even Rosen a weather report. It's more just yeah. like, hey, guess what? Uh, we're going to be on planet Earth tomorrow. It's, yeah, these guys I mean, aren't. Those are I don't know what 
fucking planet they're on. But it, uh, so Rosen was pissed, and I think he did misinterpret it. But uh, like I told you off air, and I told Mello and the guys this, uh, just so people know, uh, I reached out to someone at UCLA and was like, "Hey, just you know, I'm not trying to break news. Could you just give us a heads up because we record a couple podcasts a week, and if he's going to declare on a Wednesday, we would love to talk about it on Tuesday. You know, when we record." And they're like, yeah, man, we would love to help you out, um, but we don't know anything. The guy who will know first is Colin Coward. And I thought the dude was fucking with me. So it's like, okay, ha, ha, ha. And he was like, no, really. Like, you know, Colin's close to his parents. They have a good relationship. So, you know, if, if he starts talking about it, you might just kind of keep your ear to the ground. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Can I tweet this? Dude said yes. And then I got Rosen telling me I need better sources. So it's going to be funny when Cowherd does break it, though, um, just for a little vindication. Of course, yeah, it will be because he. I mean, he's obviously plugged in with those families, and uh, good for him. Guess what? I think both are declaring. There's your real hot take for you. I don't think it's really that simple. <laughs> it's that difficult. I think it's even really Sam going back to school talk is overblown. I'm not buying it. Maybe I'll be wrong, but we do have to get to our college player to know. We are gonna we are gonna run through the senior bowl roster more as we, there was more in invites that came in and one of them is my college player to know Derm Smith from the tight end from Notre Dame. This is a guy that's had some injury problems and I think he definitely could be more productive in a better passing offense at times. But this tight end class to me, outside of Mark Andrews, is really looking for people to break out. And I think when you're looking for guys that might not have been the biggest producers in college or, you know, might get overshadowed by other guys in their own offense, obviously there's a lot of NFL talent on that Notre Dame offense. I think that Derm Smith is a guy that is going to have a very nice draft process. I think he's going to do very well down in Mobile, Alabama. I think his combine will be good enough. And I don't, I, where do you see him right now in the draft, Matt? I, I would think late third round just because, this is not a very good tight end class. Yeah, I really like him. And, you, and you're absolutely right that I think injury concerns are going to be the biggest thing for him. But he, he's athletically, he has the talent, he has the frame. I have him ranked as like the number six tight end right now, which historically is probably going to be a, you know about a fourth round pick, maybe fifth round pick. Um, but I'm excited to see him at the Senior Bowl, to see him you know in that situation. I, I think... You know, one big thing for me with tight ends anymore is athleticism. You know, he is a little, I guess, undersized for the traditional tight end spot, um, or was when he was. I guess he was listed at two forty five before. I, I just, I saw my notes. He's two fifty five now, so that's actually a great size for him. But just to see how he moves uh, and see really how he handles the route tree that's going to be thrown at him in Mobile. Uh, so my guy, my college player, know this week another senior bowl except uh, Jalen Holmes at Ohio State, a dude who has kind of flown under the radar because they're so deep uh, at defensive end with, you know, they got Nick Bosa, Sam Hubbard. Jalen Holmes is someone who I have him ranked right now, and this might be crazy. I have him ranked in the second round. I I think he has exceptional size, speed. Uh, As a pass rusher, he can fit in a 4-3 scheme. I think he has the hips to maybe even work in a 3-4 as a stand-up rusher. So I'm very excited to watch him uh, once we get to Mobile just to see Okay, because when you watch a game, like you might get 20 snaps from this dude. So I want to see him throughout the week, just a, a solid look at who he is as an athlete, who he is as a technician. Um, I've talked to folks at Ohio State. They love the kid. They think he's like, you know, great, has a good nature, and he's funny, and he's down to earth, and just super laid back. 
Uh, so he's going to be not only interesting to watch, but also to get to know. Yeah, and it, we're, we're starting to get into the guys that are, I don't. I hate saying second fiddle, but like we know the Ohio State defense is good. We know the Notre Dame offense has a lot of NFL talent. But these are the names that you don't get to hear very often, and they're going to be draftable players. So we're getting yeah, into absolutely. that time of year where we start breaking down these guys and give you out, names outside of the top 50, top 75, because we've reached that point of our season. You know, a lot of main media outlets are going to start getting into the top 15 players on their shows. If you want to get beyond that, this is where you come to, because we're going to probably be getting into names that'll be in the sixth and seventh round by the time it's almost draft weekend. Man, we were highlighting fullbacks last week. That's so. a good point. We've already really done it. I highlighted a return specialist, and you highlighted <laughs> FB1. So, I mean, we're already cooking right now. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. All right, speaking of a lot of fun, uh, let's take a break. Then we'll bring on uh, our guy, uh, Field Yates. And then after that, we'll have Stefan Diggs, wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. And then after that, we'll have Kennedy on, our intern, to talk draft on draft with you guys. All right, everybody, welcome back. And we are joined by our, I guess, our second ESPNer in podcast history. We had Adam Schefter on pretty early on. Now we're joined by the guy who's probably the next Adam Schefter or the Adam Schefter's Adam Schefter Jr., I guess we could call you. Our buddy Field Yates, uh, who is one of the nicest dudes in football media, also the best dressed and probably the best looking in football media. So a lot of a lot of honor we're throwing at you today, man. So, so wait, did someone like pay you to say all those nice things? Like, <laughs> I I'm, I, is there some sort of like, <laughs> what is going on here? What did I miss? Uh, your in, your agent slipped me a check. So we're uh, good. okay. Now a lot more <laughs> makes sense. Well, I appreciate you saying that very kind. And, uh, Stephanie is one of a kind. And by the way, like saying I'm your second ESPN or it's like, uh, I'm trying to think of like an appropriate analogy. It's like, Hey, we started a, an SNL spinoff. And for our first musical guest, uh, you know, we had the Beatles. And for our second musical guest, we had like, you know, some one hit wonder. I, that's what I feel like I'm stepping into the shadow of after being uh, the second ESPN guest to Sheffney. Yeah, you could be our one direction. It's cool. That is awesome. Now, Field, correct me if I'm wrong, but you interned for multiple summers with New England and then worked for the Chiefs for two years, correct? Yeah, I use the term intern sort of uh, loosely. It's, it's kind of the best way of describing it, but um, without... Uh, I don't have the chance to tell the full story, but, uh, after my junior year of high school, uh, I was in the right place in the right time and happened to know the right person that allowed me to get a kind of get in, uh, on the ground with the Patriots. And what wasn't like, you know, one of those like apply for it online type internships or anything. Um, but I had the opportunity to kind of become a scouting grunt with the Patriots, which I'm sure as you guys can imagine, and was the case, uh, you know, it was like a dream come true for anybody that loves football. So this was the summer of 2004, I guess it was. And basically every spare second that I had from there until the time that I graduated from college in 2009, I would spend my time at the Patriots facility. It was making what we call point of attack tapes, which were basically, you know, for draft players or prospects or free agents, you know, the good, bad, and the ugly. Uh, it was learning terminology. It was learning lingo. It was, uh, everything that you could possibly absorb, like a sponge was my goal. So it was a cool, it was a great opportunity. And, uh, I, I sometimes think about football as like learning a second language. Uh, and that was sort of like my, that was Spanish one-on-one, just football one-on-one for me, uh, in my, my time in New England. 
So do you have any stories that uh, Belichick didn't like scrub from your mind that you can share during your time there? Well, I, I always feel I, it's often a question is like, you know, what's, what's your best Belichick story? And it's like, first of all, um, you know, I, I think that like perception and reality don't always align when it comes to Bill Belichick. Um, I, I think that some of it's probably, uh, you know, fair. Like, I'm not going to say that he's, you know, he's not like, um, you know, the world's like, you know, greatest stand-up comedian, but like, he's got a funny disposition to him. He certainly got some humor involved with him. And, you know, what I always appreciated about working, uh, for Bill was this was fairness, uh, was at the top of his priority list, you know, treating everybody fairly, uh, holding people accountable. And there were times that you would get assignments or you would do things and you think to yourself, like, this is menial or this is rudimentary. Why am I being asked to do this? Um, and, you know, the bottom line is, like, Bill was always a tutor at heart. And there were things that I did that part of it was because Bill would say, like, I had to do this when I was in my entry-level phase of my NFL career. Like, you think it's, it's, it's a pain in the rear to go and, you know, like, go grab someone money from the ATM or go, like, go to the store because someone's craving, like, and I don't know, Doritos, Cooler Ranch. Like, you're like, that's my job. Like, that's what starting in football in, entails. And the answer is yes. And it was part of the, I don't say baptism by fire, but it was part of the process of getting off the ground and being a football person. And uh, I always appreciated that uh, Bill and the entire Patriot staff, they didn't just develop players, but they developed coaches and scouts and anybody that works uh, within that organization. Yeah, well, we work closely with Chris Sims, who had a, a very entry role there after his NFL career ended. And he always called himself the bitch boy of the New England Patriots because he was always picking people up from the airport or doing odd jobs like that. But Chris, just like you, Field, always says the same thing, is that the development you get over there is just different than anywhere else. And it's it was amazing for him. But now, obviously, you've been at ESPN. I feel like you you might be the youngest talent there. And how did you end up there? I mean, what, how old were you when you started at ESPN on air? Yeah, it's funny. So uh, I always feel like I get asked a lot uh, from youngsters, whether they're, you know, uh, kids that are going into college or college students that are about to graduate. Like, hey, what should I do so that I can have your job in whatever, five or ten years? <laughs> and my answer is like, I wish there was a blueprint for anybody's job in the sports media, but I'm sure, you know, I, you know, I definitely know Matt's story uh, really well and, and know like, and he can attest to as much as anybody. If there is no like blueprint for like how you get to whatever your you know, desired intended goal is. But uh, for me with ESPN, I uh, left Kansas city uh, in 2011 and, you know, sort of like the fire uh, wasn't fully flaming um, with the football life anymore. And you guys know enough and you've heard enough. Um, and I know Matt talks about this on Twitter a lot, like, you know, why doesn't he go scout for a team? And he's like, dude, that lifestyle is not for everybody. And, uh, you know, in some ways it caught up with me. Um, I thought there might be more out there for me and might be other things that I would get, uh, you know, I would, I would be sort of satisfied with in life. And what I realized was the way I put it was I've always loved football. I didn't know that I wanted to live football forever. And the reality of being a scout or a coach is that like it's football, football, more football, and then when you're done with football, even more football. Um, and so I left, left the NFL, left the Kansas City Chiefs, and I went back home, which for me is the East Coast and specifically outside of Boston, 
and I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I quickly thought maybe I would try real estate. And then about as quickly as I decided upon real estate, I realized real estate wasn't for me. So I kind of tried to get the football itch back, or I guess the football itch kind of found me. But I didn't want to do football back. I didn't want to go back into scouting or back into coaching again. I just wanted to find a way to sort of satisfy that itch um, in a different way. I started with a blog. I was on Tumblr. It was very like, you know, uh, probably had like 12 people that were reading it. It was in like my immediate family and like a few friends. Um, and I started to sort of fish that out, almost like a resume. And I must have sent, I don't even know how many emails, lost track. But, um, you know, basically nobody responded to me. Um, but the only person that kind of responded to me and said, hey, even though I can't help you right now, I have some thoughts, was a guy named Mike Reese. And you guys are probably familiar with Mike. He yeah. is the venerable beat reporter for the Patriots for ESPN. To me, the kindest, most uh, you know, generous person that I've come across in my professional sector. And he is just uh, someone that cares about um, really, the, I think, the business, for lack of a better term. And Mike offered to stay in touch with me and he had some suggestions of places that I could call. Uh, he put me in touch with some editors, other people that he had worked with in the past and nothing came to fruition. So what Mike said to me was in the 2012 NFL draft, which was a year that the Patriots had two picks in the first round. And it was the third year. The NFL was a prime time event for the first round Thursday and Friday night, obviously being in prime time. So why don't you come down to Gillette where the Patriots you know, have their media access and, you know, we can probably put you to use. They got two first round picks. They were clustered pretty closely together. I want to say it was like 21 and 25, something like that. Um, and they ended up taking Chandler Jones and Dante Hightower. It was a busy night. And Mike just gave me an opportunity to kind of go and help them and transcribe sound and write a couple of blog posts. And, you know, I started from there. I, I went to a couple OTAs and then ESPN said, you know, we got very capable hands and Mike Reese handling the Patriots. So they offered me to do some other work around the NFL. Uh, our ESPN insider platform is something I contributed to and still contribute to, uh, to this day. And I think ESPN, like a lot of large companies and I think successful companies has a mantra that if you can do one thing, they figure out if you can do two, if you can do two, they figure out if you can do five. And if you can do five, they figure out if you can do 10. And, you know, after a while, 10 turns into basically a full-time thing. And for me, it was first specifically Patriots. And then it was more of the NFL at large, you know, podcasting, fantasy football became a big part of it. Uh, and NFL insiders was launched uh, the TV show in 2013, which is sort of when my on-air presence kind of saw an uptick. Um, NFL insiders kind of, became, we, we, we molded NFL insiders into NFL live a little less than a year ago. Uh, so that show no longer exists, but NFL insiders was kind of my entry into the on-air side of ESPN and, I've loved it ever since. Uh, I think I kind of borrow the old Bill Belichick line, which is uh, it beats having a real job. <laughs> it absolutely does. And you're, man, you're, you're right. It's, it's like you beg, borrow and steal. Anyway, you can get your start. You, you kind of do it, but you mentioned there kind of briefly that you made a transition from scouting to fantasy football. And I know I would guess everyone who listens to this podcast has an interest in scouting and the draft. And then they also, you know, probably dabble in some fantasy football. So how much of that crosses over for you? Or are you able to like shut off the part of your brain that was taught to scout to talk about fantasy football? Or does it, does it really help you 
look at matchups and talent and, and best situations for people? Yeah, I think what it does is it allows me to apply my scouting um, side when I think it's appropriate. Like there are times where you watch players or coaches and you think to yourself, like, why is this guy getting so many looks? Uh, or why is a running back buried in the depth chart? Um, and it can be maddening, right? You know, like, um, I guess it probably isn't a perfect example, but this most recent Monday Night Football game, we're watching Kenyon Drake go crazy for like 185 yards combined on the ground and through the air. You're like, why isn't that guy playing more? Or why wasn't he playing more sooner? Um, and you understand, obviously, Jay Ajayi was, was, was phenomenal for the Dolphins in 2016, et cetera. But there are times where players, you know, teams are sort of just stubborn with players. Like maybe the best example right now of where a player is not performing and you don't see much when you watch the tape, but they continue to utilize them a ton is Tennessee with DeMarco Murray. Um, so you apply your scouting in that regard, but at the same time, you kind of have to ignore it, right? You're like, hey, my eyes tell me that Derrick Henry needs to be carrying the football more than DeMarco Murray every single game. And not that you need to have worked in the NFL to see that, but still, as an example. Um, but the reality is Tennessee continues to rely heavily on him being DeMarco Murray every single game. So when you're constructing your rankings or when someone says, hey, should I start DeMarco Murray or, you know, Alex Collins? Um, you just have to say, listen, I think, you know, as much as I love Collins, for example, I might lean Murray this week because they're playing some poor run defense. So I think the reality of fantasy football and quote unquote real football is that there is a cross section. And if people are ignoring the cross section between the two, like they're doing it probably on principle no, more than anything else, uh, because clearly they relate. And I think it makes it fun. Like I look at fantasy football as uh, it's, it's my job. It's also a great outlet for me. I really enjoy Sundays, uh, you know, heck Thursday nights last, you know, the last Monday night football game, I'm watching that game intently for my job, but also knowing that I had, you know, I was in the middle of a playoff matchup. It also uh, impacted that game. So I have found it to be a great source of, of, of obviously professional endeavor, but also entertainment. And also I think uh, enjoyment. It's something that I truly enjoy. Yeah. So obviously you do the fantasy focus podcast and you and Barry are kind of like the dudes in that spectrum. And it's awesome. How many fan questions at this point do you answer per week, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's through the podcast or on air? Yeah, I, you know, I've, I probably couldn't pin a specific number um, within a given week. But I would say this is that uh, things have changed a little bit for me only because I kind of think that social media has changed in some ways. Um, you know, I think that the interaction back and forth on Twitter has changed a little bit over recent years. And maybe it's because I've seen more. My audience has grown. Um Unfortunately, you know, there are just a couple bad eggs and every once in a while, it's like you lock in on some answers and next thing you know, your mentions become, you know, people just sort of tearing you apart. And it's like uh, with fantasy, it's if you make the right call on someone's question, it's yeah, you should have. That's your job. If you made the <laughs> wrong call, it's you're an idiot. Why do we even bother asking you? Like, why is ESPN trusting you to make lineup decisions? But throughout the course of the week, you know, certainly uh, you know, thousands come my way. And I try to answer you know, probably hundreds of them between a variety of different social mediums. And, you know, I, I definitely try to do my best to answer as many friends that, you know, personally reach out, uh, which, you know, I just try to encourage them, like as much as you can try to avoid texting me at like 1257 oh, yeah. Eastern time on Sundays, because I, it's a lot more difficult for me to answer it 
with three minutes to go before kickoff when I'm in the middle of a TV show. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's amazing. And <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Like if you, if you know, like for my job, if I get a mock draft pick, right, people are like, well, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. And then if you get one wrong, it's like, oh, my dog could do this. So which is so crazy. Which yeah. the fallacy of mock drafts is just nuts. I, you know, and I don't want to like you know take your guys' podcast events, but I would just say this quickly: mock drafts to me are obviously a projection, and obviously there's a massive margin for error there. But they're entertainment too. Like part of the reason why I I toil through N- uh, NBA and NFL mock drafts because I love them. I love them, and I'm a massive NBA fan and I'm a huge Celtics fan and I look at it as like I spend my time and I look at who they might pick in next year's draft and then I spend time envisioning what that that, that lineup could look like I don't look at it as if this doesn't come true I no longer view that reporter or writer or whoever it is as credible I look at it as it's really difficult to project things uh so I don't I don't envy those who have to do mock drafts I just appreciate the work you guys put in because it truly is a massive task to undertake Try to, you know, understand all the needs for every single team and then try to get inside the thinking of people that are, you know, you have 32 separate GMs or personnel directors that you're trying to account for. Yeah, it is. It is definitely not fun. And one of the ways I get through that perfect segue here to our our gauntlet, we're going to ask you five kind of rapid fire questions. First thing that comes to mind, one of the ways I get through that, usually during draft season, a couple beers at the end of every day. So our first question for you. What's your go-to beer or drink when you're you're kicked back trying to get the Twitter trolls out of your head? I've got two breweries that, above all else, are my favorite. Uh, Treehouse Brewery, which is a local brew, uh, brew in Massachusetts. It's in Charlton, Mass. They've got a beautiful new facility, and they make truly uh, remarkable beers. And then Cisco Brewery, which is on Nantucket, which is my favorite place on earth. There is no better in-brewery experience than Cisco. I, Cisco distributes nationally. Uh, we do not see Treehouse distributing outside of the brewery yet, but if you ever find yourself uh, in the area, I could not recommend either one of them more than I thought. You know, those are the, the my stamp of approval. All right, number two, uh, you can have some fun with this one if you do remember one. What's the meanest tweet you've ever been sent? Oh my goodness! Um, I mean, you know, the words that can't be repeated. Obviously, <laughs> you can say whatever the fuck you want on here. <laughs> <laughs> I used to get a lot of tweets about my name, you know, and it was like, what, you know, it's. It doesn't bother me. It never has. I've, you know, I, I try to look at it as having thick skin is an important, almost requisite for our job, prerequisite for our job. Um, but, you know, it did sort of rankle me when people are like, you know, they take you to task. You lose credibility because of your name. It's like, first of all, that's a ridiculous premise on a lot of levels. Second of all, I'm like, but then I realized I'm like, OK, am I going to care about the opinion of somebody that makes their decisions on who to follow or who to uh, listen to because of their first name? Like that to me is a pretty like that's quite a ridiculous concept. Yeah, that is. And I've seen you, you've kind of shot back at it. Like you have t-shirts, right? Like, yeah. Right. Yater's going to eat t-shirts made by 500 level. If people want to like <laughs> sort of support the movement, so to speak. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Uh, we would make t-shirts, but they would be no one would want to wear them in public. They'd be inappropriate. Um, all right. So what's the one game none of your friends can beat you at? You know, we have athletes on a lot of them say like Madden or FIFA or 2k, uh, you know, for like me, it's cornhole. So what's your what's your one game nobody can can beat you at? Ooh, that's a great question. I fancy myself a pretty good cornhole player. I do I do I do feel like oh. that's an, a game that I excel in. Um, Trying to think if there's like a uh, I mean this is not a game and it's not like something you compete against and this is like the nerdiest thing in the world. But whatever, I got some nerdiness at heart. Uh, 
maestro when it comes to puzzle making. Like uh, puzzles are my jam. I love a puzzle. That's, I know that's great. Weird. You strike me as a field weird. It's relaxing too, though. But the the puzzle is uh, that's great. Number four, you can't use a family member or girlfriend, fiance, anything like that. Stranded on a deserted island, who are you bringing with you? Now, you can go strategically and bring someone that you think will help you live longer, or you could just bring a dream girl. Okay, so I'm going to go with, obviously, you guys want somebody that would be, like, known amongst, um, like, the public, right? Like, this is not yep, like, yeah, hey, my buddy, goal. you know, Sam or whatever. Who would if be you want to shout out, you know, if you shout out a buddy, it's cool. Oh, well, listen, my, I was going to say, my buddy Sam is, is, uh, is the first person that comes to mind. But I have a pretty good answer. I think it's actually, like, relevant here. How could it? I think Gronk has to be the like has to be the pick, right? <laughs> and I spent some time around Gronk, and what I, and I you know we had him in Kansas City for a pre-draft visit. I got to know him a little bit there, and then I've seen him, you know, obviously covered him, and I've I've seen him around in my time working in the media side. And I always say this: every day is Gronk's best day. I think it's an enviable way to live life. I wish people would sort of. I get it; he's goofy, and I get what he did last you know a couple weeks ago was was terrible. And I'm not trying to excuse that or sort of conflate that with this, but. Um, Gronk is a person that I think would make every day an enjoyable one, right? That's a great answer. I, and I he's just incredibly strong. So if you needed like shelter built, you know, he could probably yeah, just Gronk, rip the Gronk, tree Gronk's out of the, the ground. Guy. That's yep. a good answer. All right. Last one. Number five. Uh, this is the, uh, the biggest debate between every question we ask on stick to football. It used to just be on a hot dog. Do you put it on ketchup or mustard? But now Demarius Randall and a little sneak peek here ahead to next week, Marshawn Lattimore are driving the barbecue sauce on a hot dog train. So uh, what are you going with, Field? I, I go. I, I do a trio on, on my dogs. Whoa. Ketchup, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to have the ketchup and the mustard. I kind of like crisscross them. You know, like I, I look intricate with my designs, uh, almost like shoelaces. And then a, just a little, little bit of, of a relish to top it off. Bit of a sweetness from the relish really is a nice, uh, it really, I, I think personally, is a perfect finishing touch. That is amazing. There we go. Man Field, of the people. Thank you he so much, both. man. This was a lot of fun, dude. <laughs> Wait, by the way, so you guys have Marshawn Lattimore, you know, you had Demarius Randall. So it's like um, you've got primetime cornerbacks, you've got Adam Schefter, and then you're stuck with me. All right. I'll stop. Give yourself yeah. some credit there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, we're happy to have you on, man. Hopefully, we can catch up with you again soon. Uh, maybe I mean, we might make our way to Bristol for a little cornhole tournament. Um, I'm I'm very intrigued by that. So, uh, but thanks for your time, dude. Um, you're awesome. Uh, you're definitely one of the best guys in the business. Everyone should follow you uh, on Twitter at Field Yates if they're not already, and and check out the Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks, guys. All right, everybody, thanks for sticking with us. We've got a couple interviews in the bag. We've got a great intro and around the league behind us. Talk some college players to know. And now uh, your favorite part of the show, we think, we hope anyway. Uh, we're bringing on our buddy Kennedy, our intern, to ask your questions that you guys, it used to be you tweeted them to us. And then we got into the iTunes review game where you'd send a question. Now y'all are Instagramming questions. So I at some point we have to like, Give Kennedy a round of applause for all the different ways that she interacts with you guys because it's awesome. Thanks, guys, for sending in your questions. I love it. You can do it on any platform you want. I'm right there 24-7 answering your questions, so don't worry. (laughs) Follow the Instagram, too, and we've been trying to keep up with the DMs, but I think it's probably easier if you actually leave a comment, I would say, right? 
I feel yeah, like that's a little more visible. The DMs are fine. <laughs> I love your voice tone on that. <laughs> They're fine. They're fine. But, you know, comment, we just see it quicker. So definitely leave a comment, I would say, on, you know, our latest Instagram post. Um, Richard Royal asks a question about Teddy Bridgewater. Matt, I had to include it since he's your man crush. If you're Teddy Bridgewater, what do you want for the 2018 season? Man, Teddy's making it into the show twice this week. I love it. Um, gosh, I, I want to be in Minnesota. I, I think that's a, a great situation for him. You have Dalvin Cook coming back next year, a dominant defense. You get to play in a dome and I, I instead of you know being out in the snow like Buffalo or something or Cleveland. Uh, I, I think that's honestly the best spot for him long term. Yeah, listen, I think you need Case Keenum to get signed somewhere else after this year because he's been playing out of his mind. But the bottom line is that should be Teddy's team. I, I understand you're not going to sit Case Keenum right now. I totally understand that. But I think as it stands, I think Bridgewater, it's been nice that he's been able to ease himself back into practice. And I think he should be full go next year. I like the team a lot. Like Matt said, Dalvin Cook coming back is huge. A guy that was on the show today, Stephon Diggs is there and he's a playmaker. And Adam Thielen has been one of the best wide receivers oh, yeah. week after week in the NFL. And Kyle Rudolph might be the most consistent pass catching tight end in the league when it, in terms of just, I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar, but he's middle of the pack and very, very solid. So the Vikings are well coached. They're talented. And I think Bridgewater is the perfect fit there. So I would love to see Teddy back in Minnesota next year. But if he does hit free agency, I can tell you there will be a market for him. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Sylvester Valderrama asks, on a scale from one, not concerned, to ten, may not be a franchise QB, where are your levels of concern for Winston? Yeah, we kind of talked to Till Sylvester about this on Twitter, uh, kind of, and I did, but I'm glad that we we have space here to talk about it more. I'm a little concerned. Um, I guess on and off the field, you have to be concerned because there's you know there's some new stuff uh, out there with Jameis on the field. And th- this is what I tweeted back to him was, I-, I think I'm more concerned that he doesn't have anyone around him to help him. And and maybe it's too easy to say like, oh gosh, look at Kyle Shanahan and, and Jimmy Garoppolo, or look at Sean McVay and Jared Goff, or Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz, but. Like, give these quarterbacks some help. And I know Dirk Cutter kind of weaseled his way and politicked into that head coaching job and pushed Levy Smith out. I think they've realized that was a bad move. So what I hope for Jameis is they do need defense badly. I I think you got to improve that offensive line, and hopefully they get someone, whether it's a head coach or an offensive coordinator, who is going to look at Jameis' strengths as a quarterback and try to build a scheme around those instead of trying to make him something that he's not. I know that they came out and kind of addressed that their relationship was fine, but I, I don't even watching hard knocks him and cutter. I, it just doesn't seem. I don't think cutter was really ever cut out to be a great NFL head coach in the first place. I think they got to get someone new in there. I am concerned with Jameis Winston, a prospect that I was very, very high on. I think we have not seen him grow at all. He's volatile. Yep. Obviously the off the field stuff we're not going to get into today, but on the field is, I mean, God, the turnovers are just mind-numbing. He can go down the field and lead a drive where you think he's a top-three quarterback in the NFL, and then on the next drive, he'll just literally hand the ball to the other team. So you're wondering, what is the deal with this guy, and why isn't the consistency? And he had those promises last year at Florida State, but you should be growing as a player, not regressing or, or hitting a plateau when you're this young. I think the coaching has to get better, and I'm I'm not saying... There's no way you obviously move on from Winston. You want to get a guy no. in there that can help him grow. You invested a pick in him with that. You're obviously 
it was a huge asset. But at the end of the day, it, it's going to cost the coaching staff their jobs, obviously. And you should be concerned because if the next staff can't get it done with Winston, that's probably his last chance in Tampa. Yeah. And it, like you said, there's the off-field stuff that we don't know anything about. So we're not, we're not going to jump into that. But just on the field. I know everyone, like, after Hard Knocks, they're like, God, I'm, oh, Jameis is going to be it. The Bucks are going to the playoffs. Watching Hard Knocks watch the playoffs, I was like, this kid's still turning the ball over way too often. And he is a kid. He's 23 years old. I mean, he's still he's still learning and growing as a quarterback, but he's got to cut down on the turnovers. I would love to see him in a more of a spread offense with more combo routes, more stuff underneath. I know he has a big arm, but let's, let's cut – down on all the downfield throws. Let's make his job a little bit easier because, I mean, what was it? This week he got picked off twice by the Lions, and you I, they're only going to win when he can limit his turnovers. Let's be honest, too. Hard Knocks makes every fan base think that their team is going to the Super Bowl. Unless you're Absolutely. the Rams. Unless you're the Rams. <laughs> then fans are like, God, our quarterback does not know where the sun sets. Fuck this team. Chase <laughs> <laughs> Hammies on iTunes asked, who is a dark horse quarterback prospect that could rise in the next few months? Oh, I think it's that Richmond quarterback, Kyle Laletta. Uh, he got a senior bowl invite, um, and he's not the biggest dude. He's like 6'2", 215, maybe 6'3". He could be that guy who does rise. Um, you know, the level of competition is the biggest question mark right now. I think I have him ranked as QB 10. But I would also keep an eye on Mike White, a Western Kentucky. And, and I, I guess I didn't say him first because I feel like he's somewhat well-known in the draft community. But those would be my two kind of late-round dudes to keep an eye on. One I keep going back to just because Grambling doesn't really get a lot, a lot of love would be Devontae Kincaid. I think he had another really good season there. I love his mobility. I think he's had a pretty good arm. Obviously, you know, back-to-back championships there at Grambling in the SWAC. So... I would go with Kincaid. I think it's, you know, it's the guys that get to go to the Senior Bowl have a way bigger platform to showcase. He's going to one of the All-Star games. It's not the Senior Bowl. I forget which one it is because there's like three or four different ones now. It's hard to keep up with. But I do think he's a riser where he can go from being in the undrafted conversation maybe into the sixth or seventh round as a developmental guy. JR Sean, Instagram. Woo, this is our first Instagram question. Love it. What have, what position would you most likely take a raw player with physical traits that is less polished? And what position would you more likely take a polished player over the raw talent? That's a great question. Yeah. I, I love that question. So I would take... I a, know what I would do. Okay, uh, go for it. Go for it. Yeah, I would take the uh, raw running back because I think things like vision are very natural, but we've seen guys that are just athletes figure it out at running back in a scheme that fits them. And I think uh, I would also say pass rusher as well. Edge rusher. You can take a raw guy. Now it's also failed teams at times. Like when you look at Marcus hunt, a guy like that was just a ball of clay goes in the second round and just never really does anything. But then you look at a guy like Ziggy Ansa and you're, and he goes top 10 and it was like, man, is this guy going to, is he going to be molded into, you know, a, a star pass rusher? And I think he really has been, when you're talking about the polished player, this is one we talk about a lot on this show because we've seen teams look foolish. I say offensive line. I, I know teams try to get creative with offensive line. They want these freak athletes that can get down the field and set up their run game. But I want the tackle that comes in that's the Taylor Decker, you know, Jack Conklin, uh, Taylor Luan kind of guy that just comes in and is just a rock 
for you on the offensive line. That's the guy I want. I don't want to have a two- to three-year developmental curve that's getting my quarterback killed over and over again. So mine, I would take the raw wide receiver. Um, and not raw like John Ross, not like, oh, the guys ran 4-2-2, but like someone who needs their route tree developed but has the physical traits because I think physical traits can win at that spot. Like if you have, if you're a great jump ball receiver, you can be you could be fine if you're not a great route runner or you don't have the best speed. Uh, you also, I mean, you're also at times around four and five of those on the field. So you need depth at that spot. Uh, for me, where you take the polished player over the raw talent is quarterback. And I know that I've said things before on the show where you guys are probably like, did this guy just get hit in the head? But nine times out of 10, I want the polished quarterback over the raw guy. Um, that's why, I mean, I like Josh Rosen. I like Sam Darnold. Uh, more than someone like Lamar Jackson or, you know, like last year, I really liked Mitch Trubisky and I didn't, I mean, I liked Mahomes, but not as much. And I didn't like Kaiser because he was all, all traits and not as much talent. And by the time the draft came around, we had started to, you know, you talk to scouts and evaluators and you start to hear things about Kaiser, like, oh, maybe he's, you know, maybe he's not, doesn't have the best work ethic. Maybe he's not the best leader. So when you throw that into a guy who's, mostly traits, I think that's where you start to worry. Isaac2432 on Instagram asked, is there too much hype on Josh Allen? Isaac doesn't understand why people are so high on him. Jeez, talk about a great segue. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the deal with with Josh Allen. Like the the God's honest truth, what I see, uh, what the everyone I talk to in the, the league that likes Josh Allen will tell you is, he has the trait. He has the rare, rare traits like Cam. And we did a video about this and people laughed at it, but it's true. And they'll see it at the senior bowl combine. He has Cam Newton like traits. And so the idea is, can we mold that into something? Um, and, and this was the Pat Mahomes argument last year. How early do you take a guy who has great physical traits, but will have to learn everything new? And Mahomes went 10th. Allen is three inches taller, 15 pounds heavier, has a stronger arm, and is faster. That's why the NFL loves him. It's not because of anything he's done at Wyoming. The stuff he's done there hasn't been great. Um, and I, I think you can say supporting cast, or you can say, oh, he's only, you know, he last year was his first year as a starter. He was a Juco kid before that. All those things are valid. What it boils down to with Josh Allen is he has a freakish right arm. He has freakish athleticism, and he's a great kid. And teams are going to bet on that every day if they get the chance to. I'm not topping Matt's answer. That, I mean, that was perfect. Um, <laughs> I, and, and it's that sums it up perfectly. He has traits to be a superstar. Now, his accuracy, and this is something we asked him about when we had him on the show last summer, and I'm very excited for when we have Josh on again because he, he's not only a great interview, he's, he's actually just a really, really good person. And that's why he's easy to root for no matter how badly this season went for him. I think um, I would like to see him do well. I, I think he there's a good chance he is overdrafted, which is going to put tough expectations on him, but that's how it goes when you're a quarterback prospect for the NFL these days. So, I mean, we saw fifth-round pick Nathan Peterman get thrusted into starting this year. So it, it, goes, it seems to go that way no matter where you were drafted, and hopefully Allen falls into the right situation that, that helps yeah. him grow because to answer Isaac's question, teams are in love with the person and the on-field ability. And I don't think we've talked enough about the person because when people ask no. you about Josh Allen, it's always like, oh, it's arm strength and athleticism. But 
people love the guy too, and he is playing in a pro style offense under Craig Bowles, the same offense Carson Wentz was in. So that absolutely plays into it as well because if you're going to compare him to Mahomes, he's farther ahead where than where Mahomes was. Speaking of high expectations, Kyle Hedgespeth asked, "How long can it take to learn from your evaluation mistakes?" with how long it takes for prospects to develop. Maybe a certain trait is more valuable than you thought. Oh, that's a good question. I think, I don't think there's a boilerplate answer. It used to be three years. Uh, But now, yeah, like, like Kyle says, especially with like offensive linemen and quarterbacks, it could be very different because of the type of college football that's being played now. There are also times you just know. I mean, you knew after one year, Johnny Manziel was a bust. You knew after one year, yeah. Dak Prescott was good. So it's it's really situational, you know, and then you kind of have guys like, you know, Marcus Mariota looked amazing his first year and a half. And now it kind of seems like people aren't as short or we were just talking about Jameis Winston or Derek Carr. So I, I think that, you know, people want an answer like, oh, in three years, you should know it, it really varies by situation. Yeah, it totally does. I think you know quicker when it's character problems. Like, what's going on with Malik McDowell right now in with the, the Seattle Seahawks and whatever happened with his arrest in, I believe, Florida? It's scary because this is what Matt and I were told for so long, is that this guy, no matter how freakish he is on the field, is a gigantic headache off of it. And you're talking about a player that's not playing this year because of an ATV accident and is now getting into trouble at a bar, club, whatever it was. At the end of the day, there's a pattern. And when a guy has so many question marks, he say, he, we're talking about a top 15 talent. If a top 15 talent falls out of the top 15 because of character flaws, and those character flaws do not change the first year he's in the NFL, I got news for you. It's probably not getting any better. There's a very good chance it's not getting any better. There are outliers. Austin Safarian Jenkins has turned his life around. Hopefully, Josh Gordon has. There's a lot left to be seen with that. A lot left to be seen with that. But at the end of the day, I think the the quicker ones are character guys. The longer ones are guys that just mentally need more time with an NFL franchise. Those guys get the two to three year window that the character guys don't. Well said. Popping off. Yeah, well said. Popping off asked, what team is most likely to make this year's massive trade to chase a quarterback in the draft? Oh, this is my this That's, is one of my favorite yeah. questions. Take we it away. Hit, we hit the Rams on this a few years ago. Remember that man? We get we did this at the yes. Super Bowl. And we hold like, on, I'm going to interrupt you. People forget that Matt was the first person, and we Adam Shafter is a friend of the podcast. We love him. Matt is the first person to report that the Rams were taking Jared Goff number one overall. There was multiple reports out there that it was Wentz. Me and Matt. It was a crazy morning at Bleacher Report. We got a video out probably before 10 a.m., I would argue. And Matt tweeted it out, saying also that it was Goff. And I just want him to get the credit that he deserves for being the one to report that. Oh, man, my head's not going to fit on the airplane to go to Mobile. You guys Good. keep doing yeah, this. We can put more money in the douchebag <laughs> jar then. Yeah, it's getting full, so we might need a, might need a barrel at this point. All right, uh, so I think it's the Buffalo Bills. They have two picks in the first round, two picks in the second round, and a gigantic need at quarterback. And because of the draft order, they keep winning. Kansas City keeps winning. They they would have Kansas City's pick at 18 and their own pick at 20 right now. So to get a quarterback, we've been saying it all along. Unless, I mean, you really need to be in the top 10 
to feel good about it. So I, I think Buffalo is that team to definitely keep an eye on. Uh, last question. This just came in from Justin Myers. He asked, can you please talk some sense into Eagles fans that it's not all over? It is. Sorry. Oh, man. It's over. Uh, <laughs> yeah, been guess what? Left all week, so. <laughs> I, I genuinely feel bad. I heard there was a caller on whatever the, the yeah, Philadelphia cr- main radio oh station God, is yeah. that cr- that cried, like actually cried. The Eagles have not won a Super Bowl, and I'm not saying that they were a shoe-in to win it this year, but you watch the New England Patriots' defense last night, and you see some of the injuries that the Saints, who I actually think are the best team in the NFL, when healthy, they just can't stay healthy, have had. The Eagles had a legitimate chance to win the Super Bowl this year. And to go out like this, man, oh my... And they've had... Another thing, another thing that people aren't talking about is this isn't the first big blow they've had. They have multiple injuries, but Wentz has kept them afloat, and coaching has kept them afloat. It's I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Coming from a Jets fan, it, it's over, bro. Like I don't know what to say. I, I feel awful for you, but at least let's hope Carson Wentz gets healthy and comes back better than ever at some point early next season. Yeah, unless JJ is going to run for like a thousand yards in the playoffs, <laughs> don't see it happen. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so too. It'd be great, and I, I do like I, I feel for our buddy Adam Lefko, uh, and all the Eagles fans in our office, and all the guys I interact with on Twitter, guys and girls I interact with on Twitter. I mean, it's it sucks. It's a violent game. I mean, this is what happens. So it, it just you hate to see it happen this time, you know, this time of year. So, and speaking of quarterback injuries. I'm telling you what, don't sleep on them Packers now. Nope. Uh, man, we, dude, we've Demarius, seen the dude come in and do it before this time of year. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I think Devontae me. Adams is playing out of his mind oh, is. right now. Yeah, and, and Aaron Rodgers coming back. He's Demarius coming back. Randall. I, I love the Demarius-Josh Gordon feud. I'm a little sad we had him on the week before it. Oh, I know. But, um, Here's the, I, my conspiracy I, theory is we started <laughs> so it because we told him that he needed to do something to get more attention to how well he was playing. And then he, and he literally did it the following <laughs> weekend. And he said, you still on that shit to Josh Gordon. <laughs> I was like, this is my dude right here. I loved, I loved it, man. That shit was too good. Yeah, it was too good. And he texted me the other day. He said, we're not losing again this year. I was like, all right, man. I, I, I don't doubt it. I do not yeah. doubt that. Awesome. Oh, man. All right. It was a fun Good show stuff, this guys. Week. Good stuff. A lot of fun. I love the quarterback questions. I mean, everybody's just really, really wants to talk about quarterbacks. So I love it. Keep sending it in. I love talking about quarterbacks, too. Yeah, awesome. we're not. It's not going to end because Kirk Cousins is going to dominate the free agency headlines. I still think he's getting franchise tagged, but it wouldn't shock me to see a team flip a first for him with that tag. I would not be shocked. You know, the, the Jaguars, the Jets, those teams need their guys. Maybe the New York Giants get involved. Who knows? It'll be uh, It's going to be a lot of fun down the stretch here. Reminder, still got Stick to Football Friday coming out two days after this show. So you get, to, you get a lot of Stick to Football action in a three-day span with Matt, Mello, Dan. Uh, we got a, like we said, we have Marshawn Lattimore for you next week. That's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to keep cooking. Matt, you got anything else before we sign off here? No, man. It is going to be fun. Stick to Football Friday this week. Um, I believe we're doing top five fast food. We're going to fix the Texans, which is hard without any draft picks. Um, and then just, as always happens, <laughs> it will just spiral into insanity and and fun. 
So we are uh, Stick Football Fridays is the number one girlfriend approved podcast right now. Apparently, that's, that's what, what the people are saying. Night, so we're doing well. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's it. I'm Connor signing off. We got Kennedy and Matt. As always, we will talk to you guys next week for episode 37. Have a good one, y'all.